Welcome back, everyone. It's Pete Van Epps. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Camera Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. On this episode, I interview Peter Scusa. Peter is a consultant. He's a manager at PricewaterhouseCoopers. He transitioned uh, back in, two th- in early 2014. And so on this call, it's really fun because he gives us an insight into um, consulting from a compliance and a data analytics perspective. Um, we also kind of get into how to, how to, you know, how do you learn and develop and, and continue to sharpen your skills in something that perhaps you don't have a lot of experience in initially. So you give some great points and insights into how to do that. And then conversation lands where we're talking about career progression. How do you get there? And we talk about building a brand and owning, owning your progression and pursuing things you're interested in and really contributing to the organization. So Peter has some excellent insight. I think you're going to really enjoy what he has to say. You're going to enjoy listening to his experience. And, and so as you're, if you're thinking about transitioning or you know you're going to transition to corporate America, I feel like a lot of the ideas and tips that he gives will, um, will give some insight into helping you prepare to make this transition. If you want to know more about Cameron Brooks, I'd encourage you to go to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. We've got loads of information, open source information that you can use to learn more about who we are and how we help military officers transition. Um, I'd also encourage you to grab a copy of PCS to Corporate America by Roger Cameron. Uh, you can find it on Amazon, both in paper form and also in digital form. So go check that out. I'll put, I'll link um, Peter's um, profile, LinkedIn profile in the show notes and link a couple other things. If you're interested in going and checking out some of the things that we talked about today. Again, thanks for joining us. Without fr- further ado, here's Peter Skuse. Okay, Peter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes out of your very busy schedule to uh, hang out with me and share your experiences. Absolutely. My pleasure. Okay. So um, I've, I've kind of introdu- introduced you in uh, the intro to the podcast here, but maybe just for a minute or two, tell us tell us about life before uh, PwC and maybe even go back before the Army, even after college and into uh, working at uh, working in at that subsidiary of MCOR that you were working at. Sure, sure. So uh, from, you know, from New York originally, um, and, you know, while I was in college, studied economics, uh, minor in business and accounting. So uh, I spent uh, most of my summers interning at a, a pretty large uh, construction firm in, in New Jersey uh, in the accounting department, you know, just kind of getting a feel for, you know, what accounting is like, how it's structured with the, you know, the normal day to day is like. And uh, and then also, you know, in college, so trying to make some money on the side and, uh and you know support that and um and yeah and uh while i was in college i was in rotc so uh uh commissioned into the army as a second lieutenant air defense artillery branch and uh pretty i think pretty cookie cutter experience for post 9-11 you know type of uh oef uh, officers, you've got, you know, the NTC rotations, uh, deployment to Afghanistan, that sort of thing. Um, it's actually one of the more interesting experiences or, or unique experiences I had while I was uh, in air defense was uh, my unit actually uh, participated in a, a contingency mission with Border Patrol uh, for a couple months. Um, and we, 
we had the opportunity to work alongside them actually identifying and helping them interdict uh, narcotics traffickers. So uh, actually a little bit of foreshadowing to uh, to the work I'd be doing in consulting, you know, years down the line, not realizing that at the time, but, um, but we got some uh, interesting experience there, just kind of working alongside Border Patrol on a, you know, uh, you know, Homeland, uh, Homeland Security mission. And, uh, you know, so that was pretty interesting, but spent most of my time um, in the Army at Fort Hood. Um, so love Central Texas, uh, as I know you guys do as well. And, um, and yeah, and then uh, around, uh, you know, I think around the four year mark, I was in Afghanistan kind of thinking what the future holds, uh, promoted captain, do I go to the career course um, or do I, you know, cut ties now and and start a career in the civilian world. And so, you know, after, you know, many discussions, uh, you know, with myself and and, uh, you know, my wife and my fiance, you know, we decided that we would give the, the civilian uh, route a shot. And uh, and that's how uh, you and I met. Uh, I believe I was actually I emailed you guys from I think Afghanistan. I was a couple months from redeploying and right. looking to get an understanding of you know what's involved in the transition process and and you know uh, you know how long does that usually take and you know what's the future hold from there. I uh, I did look it up. I was kind of as I mentioned earlier, I was kind of walking through some of our uh, pre preliminary conversations and, and you and I actually had our, we met uh, over the phone. You were deployed at the time uh, on November 1st of 2013. So, um, so yeah, we've, we, uh, it's been a little while now since, uh, since we had that first chance encounter and I'm glad we did. Um, when we first met, so, so you're an econ major from BU, you had done some business work it uh, at that company that's a subsidiary of Vimcor, um, uh, which is a client of ours actually, which is pretty neat. Um, and so, and so you kind of knew you knew business based on your experience and based on your education before we ever met. Obviously, you were serving in the military, but one of the fir our first conversation, you said to me directly, "Hey, I'm I'm interested in consulting." And obviously, that's what you're doing now, and that's what you've been doing. But but through our conversations and through some of your exploration, we had talked a little bit about team leadership. We had talked a little bit about professional sales. And as I was walking through our conversation history, what had happened is one of the statements you made in one of the very last conversations we had before your conference, which was in January of 2014, for those listening, um, is you were saying, hey, I, I really think I'm most interested in sales. And so you... You, you went ultimately into a consulting role, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your conference. I know you had 12 interviews. Ten of those companies that you interview with gave you a yes, so to speak. They're interested in doing follow-up interview. You know, what, what, not, not necessarily company names, but what kind of opportunities did you interview with, and why did you ultimately choose to um, say yes to PwC? Sure, sure. So, uh, you know, speaking about that experience I had, you know, in, the, in that accounting role, I think the one thing I learned um, before even, get, you know, being in the military was that uh, I did not want to be in a civilian career where it was a very regimented nine to five, you know, kind of punch the punch the clock and and sit at the desk all day and kind of trying to try to 
find something as dynamic as possible. And I think that was one thing that probably one of the more uh, important things I pulled from that experience, just, uh, you know, having in, in that accounting internship throughout college. And so that was one of my fears, I think, uh, transitioning was, you know, how do I avoid that at least early on in the career, you know, later on, you know, your, you know, needs and, and, you know, wants change, but, you know, starting off a, a new career, how do I find something more dynamic? And so I think probably that was what drew me in our initial conversations towards either consulting or sales, something where, you know, you're interacting with different people every day and, you know, it's a combination of listening and understanding their problems and trying to tailor some solution to that. And, and so uh, heading into the conference, um, you know, I remember sitting down with a variety of different employers from uh, manufacturing to sales to consulting, um, I think uh, financial analysis and, and, and a variety of industries as well, too. I mean, it wasn't just I was always interested in, you know, financial services and that sort of thing. But uh, I believe, you know, through that interview process, there was uh, uh, some employers from consumer packaged goods uh, companies, healthcare, pharmaceuticals. Um, so, so it was uh, it was a great variety of of interviews, and and I think the most beneficial part of that is really getting to sit down with all these different folks and really get an understanding of what their companies like, what their industries like. Um, you know, which ones do I feel a connection to, and which ones do I know off the bat? You know, it's just that's really just not my my cup of tea. When you, I'm, you, I'm, I know you went on some follow-up interviews. What was the, uh, what was the linchpin for you in making the choice with PwC? Well, it, it was there a linchpin, or maybe there was multiple criteria that I'm sure you were using multiple criteria. But was there one thing that between you and Christina, you guys said, "Hey, this is this is for us. This is this is the one we're going with." Yeah, I think. Um getting through the conference and, and making the connections with the, you know, the various companies, uh, I was quickly able to narrow down which ones I was most interested in. And that really settled into um, the uh, two big consulting firms. And, uh, you know, when I went out, um, you know, flew to New York, uh, and obviously I'm from the area, so know the area well, I've got family out here and, you know, and also, um, you know, financial capital, you know, the country and, the world and and you know I flew out here and uh, interviewing with uh, those few second round companies I think it was pretty clear through the interview process through those on-site interviews uh, what the culture was like and although all the you know all the companies that I did the on-sites with were all great companies um, strong brands um, meeting with the actual team members in the various companies and the positions that I would I would be in, um, PwC just stuck out. Um, it, it was uh, it was a, a very close knit culture. Um, everyone was super willing to spend time explaining things, getting to know you. Uh, no one no one made it seem like it was a burden to really take the time and and explain. You know what they do, how they do it. Mm-hmm. You know what a day in the life looks like. Um, you know, and I, and I think actually two of the three second round interviews, um, two of the three firms actually um, had spent some time with um, veterans that were currently there too. So that was also helpful. You know, when I sat down for those 
second round interviews, there was usually some sort of social event, a dinner or a lunch or whatnot, and and um, and those companies, you know, put forth some of the veterans that were, you know, that were working there currently and getting to sit down with them and get a little sense from them as to, you know, okay, what's what's the transition like? Um, you know, how do you how do you find where you're working now and, and 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 you know what were some of the things that you had to overcome to to you know be successful here and and that that really helped too because you feel a little bit more um, at ease when uh, you know that you're talking to someone who's kind of already you know walked the same path that you're walking right and uh, at the end of the day at PwC it just I don't know it just the the people just felt right you know it. it I, 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 this point tends to, you know, there are definitely themes in, in this podcast, and I love the way that you took time to explain how you made the decision, because a lot of times when I first meet an officer, you know, they say, well, I, I like this industry, or I like this company, or this seems attractive to me, but there there really is an advantage to being able to, you know, do some initial interviews with companies to to narrow down to a certain set and then get on a plane and go fly out and sit there for a day and meet with the leaders of the organization to culturally, and, and again, Peter, I hear this all the time, culturally make the decision. Um, you know, yeah, obviously there's already interest in the industry and the company and all of those things, but m- making that final decision knowing that this is where I fit culturally. So as you grow in your organization, um, you know, you're in the right place. And so I really, that's great. That is, that's good to hear. And I know that's a message that a lot of the military officers who listen to this podcast will be, you know, who are still in the military waiting to make their transition will be encouraged to hear as they're kind of working on preparing their, for their transition. Um, can you, so, to, and I and I I didn't know this, and when I first read this in your LinkedIn profile, I was I was very curious to know what you're up to nowadays. But maybe can you start with, you know, you started in a in a role advanced risk and compliance analytics. So maybe let's start there, because I because that first role out of the military at PwC and in consulting, I think that's the there's a little bit of. Um, um, can, a fog around what that actual role looks like, what the day-to-day looks like, you know, what you're learning, what you're producing, what you're contributing to. Can you just kind of walk through maybe that first role and then then we'll kind of jump into your promotion and what you've been up to for the last three years-ish? Sure, sure. So um, so the uh, the first role, I was uh, I was a senior associate in a in a practice within PwC called Advanced Risk and Compliance Analytics, and it was a small team. It was actually uh, it was really more of a startup mentality, uh, even though PwC is a large multinational firm. Um, essentially, there's this partner that joined PwC with a vision of creating a team of you know consultants that would. Um, that would help clients um, using data analytics and you know the tools of the day to help them uh, meet their compliance goals, and that would be across industries. Uh, and so when I joined as a senior associate, you know, brand new, coming out of the military, um, no experience in any sort of data analytics tools or or in or in any specific industry. Um, the you know the my initial concerns were kind of around all that. How would I, you know, how would I fit in and, and how would I catch, you know, get up to speed with everyone else? And, you know, I was very fortunate that 
when I started here. Uh, I also started at the same time with a bunch of other JMOs, uh, also coming out of Cameron Brooks, and there were also some veterans here from other sources as well. And so we quickly were able to kind of form uh, a, uh, you know, a team, a group that really, you know, we were we were able to um, kind of bounce questions off another, talk about our experiences, figure out, you know, what it is that we felt we brought to the table versus, you know, some of the folks that maybe didn't have that military background and what are some of the shortcomings that maybe we didn't have initially, but we needed to kind of figure out for ourselves and and uh, as the as the group of veterans within the organization grew, um, you know, we also used that opportunity to help each other out um, as as new folks came on and kind of help them learn the ropes and organize trainings to get a better sense of um, of uh, you know the the tools and the knowledge that you would need to make an impact on various on your various engagements. And so it was that was very helpful and um, you know something that we kind of drove internally and that enabled us to go off on our various engagements and figure out exactly where we fit in with our background versus the the you know the very different backgrounds of all the other folks uh, within the organization and many of our engagements were um, in the financial services industry um, that was kind of the the big strength of the team at the time but uh, but the practice also um, had clients in uh, energy industry, healthcare, uh, and others. So it was um, a small but very quickly growing practice. And uh, and then over the next couple of years, uh, you know, when I joined, I think we were at about 100 team members. And that number multiplied many times throughout the next few years. And uh, we reached a certain point where uh, a group of us who were doing very specifically um, work related to financial crimes, um, actually reorganized and uh, split off into a new team at PwC, which is uh, the financial crime unit, which is actually where I'm at right now. And so- uh, And that was so the yeah, foreshadowing yeah. with the border patrol you had mentioned earlier, kind of back into the, to the, to the you know, crime oriented work, you know, or yeah, crime prevention yeah. oriented work maybe? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, now the, the focus is on anti-money laundering, um, counter-terrorist financing, fraud. Um, that's really the areas that we focus in. And specifically, um, my role now is more focused on the technology end of that. So we have both um, a technology side of the practice and, the, and a non-tech side of the practice. And and so, um, you know, where I'm at today essentially is is working with clients using various technologies to help them uh, prevent their organizations uh, from being used by those, um, you know, those criminal actors. I want to I want to dig into that a little bit, but I actually let's back up because I want to make sure that, you know, maybe folks that aren't as familiar or myself, frankly, not all that familiar. So. Maybe when you let's go back to talking about compliance and letting, you know, you you use the word very natural. And I know it's something you guys talk about and focus on. But when you're talking about, you know, working on using data and analytics to help your clients meet compliance goals, um, what what does that actually mean? What are you saying there? So essentially, the. Um you know, what we're trying to do is 
um, and it depends and it's highly dependent on the industry of the client. Everyone's got uh, its own set of regulations they need to be in compliance with and their own set of regulators as well. So um, so when we're talking about compliance and compliance analytics and the financial services space, um, which I think people hear about the most uh, in the media and, and, and other uh, channels, but uh, we're talking about um, the multitude of uh, regulations that a financial services firm needs to comply with um, and how do we use uh, their data and their processes in order to help them comply in a more efficient uh, fashion and a more accurate fashion. In many cases, um, we have clients that are not in compliance with parts of certain regulations or just not meeting the expectations of a regulator. And that can be for various reasons. It can be because um, they don't have the right uh, team or processes in place. It could be because um, the technology is either not there or not doing what it should be doing. Um, and so there are just so many, there's so many uh, points of failure within the entire organization. But generally, our team um, is has that niche role of trying to use technology to help the client solve these issues. And what that, mm -hmm. and for us, what that means is, you know, talking to the client about uh, what sort of tools they're they're using, um, what is their what does their data architecture look like? Um, many clients, especially these large financial services institutions are the results of many mergers and acquisitions throughout the years. And, uh, you know, the, the technology and especially the compliance piece is always the last piece thought of during that time, you know, during those, those mergers and acquisitions. So, um, so you know, the focus is always front office. The focus is always on the revenue generating pieces mm -hmm. of the organization. And so many times the technology within the organization is built to support that, to support the front office and, and their products and their services, and uh, and that could lead to a siloed effect where uh, where essentially you know the compliance folks in the organization don't have a really good view over what's happening throughout the organization because there's so many silos. And so working with those folks, you know, how do we use technology to kind of take these pieces of the picture and and bring them together and uh, and in many ways, you know, try to, in, in, in the current, at least where the current technology is today, uh, how do we use technology to even make the processes more efficient? How do we help automate some of the processes that might be uh, very manual or very labor intensive? So um, it's kind of, it evolves. I mean, the technology industry is constantly evolving. And so for us as a professional services firm, you know, we kind of have to evolve with that and figure out what are the new technologies, uh, what difference does it make to our clients today, and and how do we help them, you know, understand that and then, you know, tailor it to their organization. Now, how do you do that in particular, Peter? Like when you say we need to evolve with technology, are you, you know, do you get training from PwC? Do you seek out stuff on your own? Do you, how do you, how do you personally keep up on, you know, as things evolve and change, you're, you're doing a good job as an individual and, and a contributor to, uh, to serve your clients. So it's a combination of both. Um, 
you know, coming out of the army where you, know, you get you, you have to go to school every, you know, every promotion or every, you know, every couple of years, you, you almost expect that uh, when you join uh, a large, well-recognized organization that there's some similar training programs in place. But uh, the truth of the matter is that a lot of it is is also on the individual and organizations don't have the sort of uh, uh, budget that the army has in order to commit. Um, you know, to training several months out of the year, uh, and you know, in the cases of different schoolings, and uh, and so it's a combination of the firm putting in effort and uh, making more technology available to the consultants, and and you know, um, maybe webcasts throughout the week to kind of introduce some of the new tools and services to to a broader audience, and and then also a lot of the self work. Um, going out and using different resources whether it's um talking to other folks that have you know experience in that area uh colleagues you know just picking their brain or uh using the internet and some of the uh um you know online courses there are uh, a ton of online courses available uh many of which you can you know you can you can take at no cost if you're not looking for a certificate if you're just looking to kind of improve mm -hmm. your own knowledge and so um and so, you know, we, we try to leverage uh, those resources as well and, uh, and yeah, and try to keep up the best you can. <laughs> yeah, right. Not to put you on the spot, but are there any, any online courses that you feel like a JMO would benefit from just to increase their, not necessarily so they can zoom in on consulting necessary, you know, per se, but, but just is there anything that you've done recently you think like, wow, that, you know, that would be helpful even to someone who's not in my industry or not doing what I'm doing? I don't know about a specific course, but definitely uh, some, some venues, um, Coursera, um, mm -hmm. which is uh, an online resource that, uh, I mean, I, I have no idea how large the library is, but they have all kinds of topics on there. And so, you know, most recently was looking to do, um, you know, a little, a little bit of, you know, basic learning on machine learning and, and AI. And, um, you know, there were some recommended courses on there and just signed up. And, you know, sometimes you'll find that, you know, maybe maybe you jumped in uh, a little too quickly and there may be some other courses that you want to uh, to catch up on first. But um, there's it's just such a library out there of different um, subjects that uh, I would definitely recommend checking that out and, and just, Great. you know, even if it's just something that you're interested in. Yeah, just to continue kind of stretching yourself, stretching your knowledge, stretching your experience. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't even have to be something specific to a current right. project or role. Um, I want to go back to one more thing you said, um, and then we can kind of move forward. But it's such an interesting point because you said, "Hey, when I when I first came here, you know, I didn't I didn't know, you know, you're you're again, you're an econ major from BU, so that's a, a great background there. You've got Army Air Defense experience, platoon leader, executive officer, detachment commander, right? No compliant, no real compliance experience to speak of, no kind of data and analytics, at least probably to the level that PwC is wanting and looking for." And and I think sometimes that's a mental barrier to JMOs where they're thinking, well, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, be in consulting or I couldn't sell a medical device in the operating room. I have no experience doing that. And and it's really counter to why companies 
want to bring a JMO on to begin with. It's it's not because of your compliance and analytics experience, because if it were, they would just stay in their industry and hire people with compliance analytics skills. They're wanting to go outside of their industry into a non-traditional path to find these you know, these kind of diamonds in the rough, if you will, these non-traditional business leaders, or at least have non-traditional business experience to kind of put into the organization to kind of think differently. And look, we'll teach you the analytics and the compliance, but, and it sounded to me like you said, well, you know, I, I just banded together with a bunch of JMOs and we figured it out. Is that it? Or what else, what else did the company do for you to kind of let, get you up to speed very quickly in, in some of those first engagements? Or maybe it was all OJT. I don't know. How did how did you ultimately get there? It, and it was mostly OJT, but uh, but to your point too, um, as far as the mentality going into it, um, you know, like you said, um, you're not if 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 you're being brought in and and you've got that veteran background, you're not being you're not expected to be a subject matter expert in a certain technology or or area. Um, you're expected to bring that expertise that you've cultivated in your time during the army to the organization, and, and you know, in the case of consulting, we're a heavily team-based organization, um, not so different from the army, where you're going to have to, you know, manage a team, and it's not going to be, you know, always through easy circumstances, and and you're going to bond with your team members, you know, similarly to how you bond with your team or your you know, your unit in the army and or the military in general, and so. Um, and so, uh, it's, I've talked to many veterans, uh, you know, I do help with recruiting as far as doing interviews and stuff like that here at PwC. And I'm also, you know, uh, as part of our organization's coaching and mentorship structure, I also coach many folks, some veterans, some not. And, you know, regardless of the background, I always try to tell folks, you know, whenever you're, uh, jumping into something new or jumping into a new type of engagement or a team, just figure out what your strengths are and how you can apply that immediately. You know, you want to make the, the best impact you can from the start. You have you have something that other folks won't have. And so figure out what that is for that specific team and 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 use it. And so when I first started here, for me that was the sort of you know project management background, the ability to, you know, be able to, to coordinate, uh, you know, logistics and, and teams and uh, and kind of put those sorts of standards and practices in place where many folks didn't have that background or or understanding. And so, uh, you know, I know that there are going to be four of the people on my team that have uh, much more experience with uh, a certain, you know, tool that I won't have. But if I can start by, use, you know, making a contribution to the team via you know, let's say my, you know, soft skills, my project management skills, my, my communication skills, and then, uh, and then use my time to work with team members and catch up on the other skills that I might be weaker in, uh, eventually I'll balance out. Uh, and so, and so that was really my, you know, my first year was, um, trying to figure out, okay, um, what does this team need most that I can provide them? And then what are the things that I'm weak in and, you know, I really need to, to catch up on? And mm-hmm. um, and it worked out. <laughs> and like you were saying earlier, you know, uh, you know, our, our uh, the partner in charge of our practice kind of referred to us or, or you know, the individuals as athletes, right? You're not, if, if they were looking to hire someone that had, 
you know, 10 years of uh, database architecture experience, they wouldn't have hired you. They're looking for an athlete. They're looking for someone that they could that they could insert into any sort of situation, and that person will be able to make sense of it. Um, you know, bring a team together, understand what the problem is, and and kind of rally everyone towards developing a solution. So, you don't have to know. You know, I didn't know anything about compliance. I didn't know anything about financial services. I didn't know um, any of the tools um, that that they used uh, that we used here, but um, but I did find that there were still ways that I could contribute and then catch mm-hmm. up on all on the rest along the way. Well, that's really it. And you said you said both po- both points that I wanted to cap uh, in your point. The first point, the first thing you said is, you know, jump in head first, be willing to contribute, kind of give everything you that you do have to your organization from the from the from the get go, which is exactly the reason that these companies hire military officers. And then two. You know, work your tail off to catch up to maybe some of the places that you don't have. So that's really fantastic advice. If I may pull that all the way through and just say, hey, that's good advice. One, give it your all in terms of what you do have. And two, get up to speed very quickly, which is pretty interesting because if you would have stayed in the defense industry, either in contracting or government service, whatever it might be, you know, that that catch up piece wouldn't have been nearly as large because, right, you're coming from the industry, you're staying in the industry, but the fact that you're that you moved from the national, the industry of national defense, if you will, to the industry of uh, to business and specifically consulting and analytics clients, you had some catching up to do, and you obviously executed on that exceptionally well. I really want to dig into, and I just don't think we're going to have time to get all the way there. I'd love to hear more about the financial crimes piece and how that played out, but maybe we'll save that for another podcast. We'll just make it a whole nother podcast down the road. I did want to ask you though, you know, sometimes I, the, the other question I get a lot from officers who, who are considering transitioning is, Hey Pete, what does it look like? You know, as an army or a military, sorry, as a military officer, I can define what the next five, 10, 15 years look like pretty easily. But in business, it's, it's in, well, at least what I say is it's, it's darn near impossible to define what 10 years looks like down the road because because the choices are maybe they're not unlimited, but but they're they're um, you know uh, there's a ton of choices based on what you want to do. I I know that when you went to PwC, you weren't thinking four years from now I would be on some financial crimes consulting team. I know that to be true, right? So yep. what does it look like for you? What is what does the future look like, and and how will things progress from here? Or what maybe what are some options that you could potentially pursue down the road? Yeah. So as you said, I mean, the, you don't get that sort of transparency or specificity that that you would get, um, you know, with you know, if you're still in the military. It's 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 one of the tougher questions to answer because um, the organization is very fluid, and um, and you know, in in the case of you know, in the case of consulting or working, you know, PwC, um, the focus really when it comes to personal development is is on developing a brand and so uh your brand could be uh your specialty it could be your industry it could be a whole bunch of different things but it's usually something um that you're expected to cultivate throughout your career and as you progress to different levels you know you may have to shift what that is um in order to meet the needs of the business and uh, at the end of the day, I think the 
the the most clarity that you get initially is okay you know these are the various roles within the organization and uh and everyone kind of sort of have has an idea okay well you know if there are you know five roles and i'm at number two you know i guess my my next you know my my most immediate goal is to figure out what do i need to learn and what do i need to exhibit in order to get to the next level and, and it's not it's not laid out like it was uh in the military there are no right. sort of key developmental positions that are right. highlighted for you um there's you know obviously you get evaluated uh in many cases um you know at the end of the year um so um you know you get evaluated at the end of the year and you get some feedback but um you're also not working for just one person throughout the entire year so you don't have that one uh raider or senior raider that you've worked with for the entire year that kind of saw your progression from the start of the year to the end of the year uh it's a project based organization so mm. you can be working with a bunch of folks for a few months and then move on to a different project and work with a completely different set of folks and so um you know you can't it's it's difficult to get that sort of tailored feedback that you might have received um you know working with someone for an extended period of time and mm -hmm. so um the goal is and and you know the our organization we have a structure in place as far as i was talking about earlier about coaches and mentors and that sort of thing to kind of help um to kind of help guide you and um and you know leveraging those conversations you have to figure out okay you know where's my place in the organization what is my what is my specialty um how does that fit within the current business climate you know is it is it something that's in high demand or is it something that's maybe emerging and not really taken hold yet you have to really navigate a lot of it yourself by figuring out yeah. what it is you're interested in what it is you're interested in how does that intersect with the needs of the business Mm. and uh and then you know how you continue to drive that forward and and as people progress throughout their careers i think there are certain things that are fairly transparent and understandable you know as you as you progress to higher and higher levels the ability to you know manage more folks or or manage a higher level uh, of client and that sort of thing is kind of uh you know common sense but what's not necessarily um easy to define is exactly what it is that you bring to the table and how can you continue to help the organization grow and build their business and their book of work and um and that's really dependent on on you and uh you know mm -hmm. what it is that you know you ultimately uh, bring to the table you know, I, I say the way – and I like, I'm really, really going to key on and start to shift my message a little bit because I say the way that people progress in an organization is you deliver high-quality results to the organization and you build a professional network. And I, I still think, based on my experience, those things to be true, but I really like the way you're saying it. I actually like yours better. Essentially what you said is, one, you got to build a brand. Right. In your organization, you have to be you, you. And I think maybe that's the key pronoun here. You have to be responsible for building your brand. You have to own your brand in terms of your hard work, your dedication, your personality, who you know. But then you're also talking about, you know, 
pursuing things that you're interested in as you're growing in the organization, you're pursuing things that you're actually interested in and drawn to, which means there's multiple paths you could take. It doesn't have to be, you know, like in the military, I do this and then I do that and then I do this and then I do that. So you figure out what you're interested in and, and then you attend. And then the other big part of what you said is you attend to the needs of the business. What, okay, here's what I'm interested in and here's how I can use my skills to really grow the business in this, in this way or in this capacity over here in this area. So I really like the way you said that. I think that that's, that's, that's a different way to think and a very accurate, but different way to think about growing professionally. And what does five or 10 or 15 years to look like? Look like, I don't know, who knows? Build your brand, figure out what you're interested in and contribute to the business. And things will take care of themselves as you, key pronoun, as you own your career. Really, really excellent point. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. Oh, absolutely. And, and and to your point, too, the, the network's important. It's an enabler, though. It, you know, it, it'll help connect you to opportunities and, and it'll help coach and guide you along the way. But, um, you know, so it's definitely a, a piece. But I, I think yep. it's more kind of an, an enabler. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we're up against it. I, I, uh, I'm not going to take any more of your time, although I feel like we could. You're, 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 you have some excellent perspective. I really appreciate it. If you don't mind, I'm going to link your LinkedIn so people can check you out online and, and see your see your experience. And uh, and uh, this has been an excellent session. Uh, lots of good information that I know people will be able to use as they're working on their transition. And so, Peter, thank you. Very good to catch up with you again. No, absolutely. My pleasure, Pete. It was, uh, it was great catching up with you as well. Okay. Take care.